Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And today, I am very, very happy to have uh, with us Herbita, Herbita Banerjee. And she is Senior Client Partner and Head of Product Management at Corn Ferry. Welcome, Perbita. Thank you. Thank you for taking that extra time to ask me how my name should be pronounced. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. What the viewers may, may or may not know, that the savvy among them probably know, that we have green room time a little bit before recording actually begins. It's um, it's nothing, you know, nothing weird about that. All the all the important talk, late night talk shows do the same thing. So, <laughs> but but in any event, yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, for the uh, phonetics on that. I appreciate it. And um, and you know, today we're going to talk about advanced technology and artificial intelligence uh, for HCM talent acquisition, these sorts of things. And but before sort of giving away the store there, um, I I love to just. If you could share with our audience, you know, what it is you do, uh, what led you to your current role, all that kind of stuff, just to give them a sense for who you are and and uh, and why, why we'll be talking about what we're, we'll be talking about today. All right. Sounds good. Um, so as you said, I head a product for Conferry Digital and really all of the HR platform that we call Intelligence Cloud and the digital products that sit within Intelligence Cloud, spanning the entire employee lifecycle. Um, I've spent nearly 15 years in the world of HR tech. And I, I always like to say that, you know, I love operating at that intersection of human intelligence and artificial intelligence. And really the last 10 years has been really that, right? Like across all my roles, whether in building um, cutting edge solutions in talent management, talent acquisition, and certainly, you know, uh, even you know, parts of that like learning and development, performance management, et cetera. Uh, it's just been interesting how this has continued to blend, right? The best practices, methodology, the human intelligence, the human aspect of it, and AI kind of pushing the envelope constantly, right? And um, the last 10 years have been fascinating. And uh, I would be remiss if I don't uh, invoke the newest god in AI, chat GPT, <laughs> that everyone <laughs> used to be talking about. Uh, yeah. That has also brought, I think, the next gen uh, of more, inno uh, in more innovations and exciting work that we have to do. And at Con Ferry, I have that exciting job of really combining all that uh, intelligence that Con Ferry has built over many, many years, like 20, 30 years, uh, and then layering on top of that the external market intelligence, uh, AI. So it's really coming together, right? The whole unified end-to-end -end, uh, human experience at work. Mm -hmm. And I'm super passionate about this, right? So we have our mission that says we are here to create pathways to success mm -hmm. for humans at work. And I absolutely love that. I live and breathe it. Um, and I think for me personally, you know, based on my experience, Conferry was a great place to land because uh, Conferry may, may be unique if not rare that it is one of the only companies that not only solves problems through tech but then really follows it up by you know via change management you know putting in this great set of consultants to drive to real business outcomes and make sure that the investments that our clients are making really get to the point of ROI and that's wonderful I think uh, I, I'm super excited about being part of that story. 
Oh yeah, yeah, uh, and that's a great story. <laughs> and 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 I share your passion absolutely around you know the future of work. Um, I, I like to talk about the near future of work and the distant future of work and, and the um, and the sort of the science fiction of work as well, you know. Um, and I think we're, we're seeing a little bit more of the science fiction of work come true than I think we were necessarily bargaining for uh, sooner than than we thought. Um, and so I'm so glad you brought up chat GP, GPT. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going around there. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Corn Ferry was known mostly for executive recruiting. Um, and, uh, and you guys have, uh, you know, that, that, that organization is, has really, really expanded and spread its wings and has been really, really exciting to watch. Um, and I know we want to kind of, you talked about it blending and, and I think that's such an important point. Um, my colleague Jennifer Dole, uh, who who heads up talent management, uh, the talent management practice here at 360 Insights, she and I, we did a an internal uh, podcast. Well, every for the outside world, but be, between the two of us, and uh, we and we uh, we titled it "Talent Management: It Will Blend," and it was a bit of a play on that. Some of some people might recall that guy who went viral a few years ago on YouTube. He said, "Will it blend?" He put all these weird things in a blender, and surprising, a lot of things blended. Like uh, I think he might have done, well, I just think maybe a battery or something, which maybe not, might not be the greatest idea. But anyways, the craziest thing, then they wouldn't blend. And so, against that backdrop, you know, talent management is blending. You know, there's a and a lot of it is due to this uh, this advanced technology, AI, and other things where you don't have the discrete silos that we had. Um, of the past um, necessarily, you don't have to think about talent management in that way as much anymore. And, and that's a good thing. Um, where do you think AI and other advanced technologies are most uh, affecting uh, talent management and talent acquisition? So maybe a couple of thoughts before getting into it. You mentioned, you know, the whole science fiction aspect to this and I think that every day, the amount of time I spend in separating fact from fiction <laughs> is really, really interesting. You know, there's everybody jumping on the AI bandwagon and there's these waves of things that happen. Uh, and, you know, we sit back and think, okay, the problem that we have to solve for clients and what problems that clients are solving for aren't changing. You get different mousetrails, you get different tools in your toolkit, right? But let's be clear about not changing our focus from the biggest problems that our clients want us to solve. So that's like a, 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 you know, I think every day I remind myself to be laser focused on that. Mm. So, and of course, this whole um, notion of talent management blending with talent acquisition uh, is a big thing. So uh, there are so many layers to this. So we can maybe start talking about how this blend has happened over the years and then talk about how AI has really accelerated that and where it's added value. I um, love that idea. Yeah, yeah. Like how did we get where we are? Yeah, so, and you know, there's, there's been a lot written on this and uh, this is sort of uh, my take, uh, if you wish. And also looking at how not, you know, so there's been the, HR tech's angle of it, where technology providers are, uh, you know, co constantly coming out with new bells and whistles, sure. But then the adoption piece within organizations, right? And um, 
And it's been interesting to watch that. And I would say that, you know, two big phases over the last uh, 10 years that uh, I've been observing, right? One is that whole big focus on that integrated uh, talent management system, that uh, one source of data where you can have, uh, you know, all the different talent practices are still sort of siloed, but then you have all the data rolling up in one place so mm -hmm. that you can at least do analytics on it. And there was this emergence of talent analytics, every organization invested in, uh, you know, having a talent analytics team or workforce planning and analytics team that can look at all the data sitting there. And most companies, I would say, have either already invested in and has uh, gotten the benefits from it and or are investing in it now, right? So this is kind of the late majority phase and the innovation maturity curve, if you will, that more than 75% of organizations are there and they are reaping the value of having, you know, employees and you're able to integrate all of this in the back end, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say the last five years is this whole um, huge. And uh, this whole like employee centricity of, ensuring that whatever we're doing, we're engaging with the employees and and that it's um, it, it brings them value, this whole notion of uh, just like we serve customers, HR should be serving employees. And so there was great uh, uh, innovation on better uh, you know UI, like user experience and just better workflows for uh, employees. And I think, that for most organizations, they are still, I would say, in the early adopter phase of it, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of acceleration. Lots happened across the whole, like, the three years of uh, pandemic, post-pandemic time, right? The era of digitization. So many have invested in learning experience platforms, that whole, like, career um, journey platforms. So they, there are a lot who have started there. I would say they're still not necessarily seen the benefits yet mm -hmm. um watching it very carefully in fact a lot of uh, my focus has been on seeing why you know the adoption isn't as great as uh, it was all you know supposed to be and what else can we do to really get it because that is important we have to get that done um but i would say that's second mm -hmm. and i think the next frontier and this is where ai chat gpt and all of this may play a big role and what's coming is I think two things, right? This lasting sort of talent journey. Um, even with the talent experience, I feel like it begins and ends. It's bookend is like when someone gets hired and when they exit the organization. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm seeing is that stretching, right? You've got to think about engaging warm talent pools and who are you attracting? Who are you bringing in and keeping that warm? And then even as you're, um, you know, helping employees through the talent journey and even if they exit, they may return, right? And mm -hmm. uh, it reminds me of one of the conversations I had with the with a very progressive uh, HR leader, CHRO of Smartsheet, Megan Hansen. She's since moved uh, into a new role, but she said that you know I want to invest in my talent, um, even if they leave, because the brand I create here by investing in them will bring them back again, right? And so progressive CHROs are thinking about it like that. So to me, that's where directionally we are going. Um, keeping the brand experience live, that connection going. Uh, the candidate isn't selected in one role. Let's bring them in a different one. If they're leaving, still help them be successful wherever they go 
uh, with exit and you know the uh, career goals and supporting them a lot of companies that do mass layoffs do think about these things but it is you know with the hope that hey let's invest in the relationship and, and the, with the talent mm. and that that should continue so that that's where you know I, i'm thinking about what would it look like next mm. next year yeah the yeah the, the exactly you've touched on so many points one one that um that uh, you made me think of is just this this sort of you know with that attitude of the relationship of of an of a of an employer looking at it as a relationship with the employee uh as opposed to the employee being a, a you know an asset or or just a a uh, there's some word between asset and pawn in the middle there that I, that I can't think of at the moment but you know really understanding that implicit in that is that you know hey when you left us whether you know whether we had to lay you off um because of business conditions or because you left um there's no you know there's no know, psychological splitting there right we're not looking at you as a bad as all bad or all good right and so we understand that that you're somebody who's going to come back um or that we might we understand we we have enough self-awareness and enough um ability as an organization to to look inward and understand that we are going to we may well need somebody again who has left for any reason whether it's because of us whether we you know precipitated it or they did it of their own volition and that's that's a really important point one other thing that you brought up that's that's uh that really parlays or dovetails with something that I've been seeing a lot is just that, and I like to say, you know, that the, and this is just really kind of a play on words, but it, I like to say the employee experience begins before the employee is even an employee, right? <laughs> and of course, that's what the term talent experience is for. So, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, um, you know, we have this, we have this term employee experience that has really taken over and you haven't seen the same sort of preponderance of um, permeation, proliferation of the term talent, talent experience, although it's definitely uh, a term of art in our industry. Um, but that's really interesting too. And, and you mentioned sort of the two phases uh, that have kind of got, that have, that have led us to where we are and one being sort of, you know, being able to, to uh, harness and marshal all that data from talent management into one place to produce, you know, actionable or useful analytics. And that I definitely recall that phase. I lived through it uh, from the outside looking in. Um, but also the other piece of it is, you know, really thinking through employee workflows to make, to, to accommodate the way people work uh, as so that talent management could accommodate, could be most um, well-matched to how people work, right? So they can reflect the uh, talent experience in that way. And I, and I wonder if maybe that was, is, do you think that was the genesis uh, of, of, the, uh, of the idea that is now everywhere of the employee experience? You know, that may have been the genesis, but I think the real uh, accelerant came when the whole like digital workplace started, right? Um, mm. Three years ago, or is it three years ago? Yeah. So it was, what happened was all employees suddenly felt like they didn't have an anchor. They weren't going into the office, so they weren't really meeting people and they were all in the digital world. And organizations had to instantly think about, well, how am I going to engage people when I don't see them every day? And what are they looking for? And at the same time, 
I think there was also this whole like um, uh, entry of the Gen Z workforce. I, I think both of these really changed employee expectations from employers and employer expectations of employees, right? Mm. Um, being with an organization is no longer that sticky. People keep moving around, which is the whole notion of they may move around and potentially come back, right? Uh, maybe as a leader one day, maybe as a different role. So this whole concept of an alumni of an organization, I think, is a powerful one that you've invested in someone so much. Don't like, you know, think about how you might at some point in a, in a different way, in a different world, they can come together. Um, the other thing was the B2C world, right? Uh, employee expectations uh, from being on all of the social media platforms and everything else that they're doing and learning elsewhere. Um, what they expect out of the enterprise has changed completely. And there was a lot of this notion around, you know, we need to be more B2C focused and, um, you know, uh, we need to design with the uh, employee in mind. And so that's that happened quite a bit over the last five years too, I would say. And where, what, where we're sitting on right now and something that I feel has to get reconciled is this convergence of the B2B world and the B2C world, right? And I'm seeing that a little bit on the learning side already, right? Think of some of the big players like Udacity, Udemy, you know, others, right? They've got this whole like learning marketplace where employees or anyone really can go in and learn. Uh, they also have their enterprise offerings, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine an employee working at an organization and they invest a bunch of their time in learning, you know, learning new skills, getting assessed, getting feedback, doing, you know, getting new experiences. And then they leave and go to another organization. What happens to all of their history? So if mm -hmm. you really want to make it employee centric, wouldn't you carry their profile and their achievements, accomplishments oh, yeah. into the next role? Right. And we have to solve the problem. The who pays for it part of it, sure, right, as a business model and, and what happens right next and there's privacy and everything. But that is a problem. Like when you've invested, the organization has invested and the employee has invested in that in that time, effort mm -hmm. to get upskilled, employees would want to carry, right? So there's been this notion yeah, like of a digital wallet or digital like a digital wallet, suitcase. Digital yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's another one that if we can crack the nut on that and crack the business model around it, um, I think a lot of HR tech vendors would be <laughs> pouncing on that opportunity. <laughs> I, I think you're right about that. Um, and that's really interesting. Uh, this might be a good segue into um, how, is I know we want to talk about how learning and the content for it fit into the equation now that talent acquisition and talent management are kind of really there's no clearly defined a sort of beyond the beyond crossing the Rubicon of of officially being an employee of the of the company versus a candidate, right? Beyond that, there's a real sort of blending of stuff that's you know that sort of a, a mixing and combination of things that's happening, a blurring of the lines. How does learning and how do how do learning and the content for it kind of fit into that equation in terms of you? Know, yeah. So, you know, I think to answer that, let's talk about how talent management and talent acquisition blending has been happening, right? And there, there are two aspects to this answer. There is the technology aspect to this answer and the employee candidate focused aspect of this. And then what's happening with the HR function itself, 
that like we can solve for that having a common data source, having everything to be in a source of truth, one single platform, uh, the continuing employee experience and everything. Um, but you you really can't solve for the way HR teams are structured unless HR organizations restructure themselves. Mm. So what I'm finding is I think technology is way ahead in wanting to break down the silos, right? And, and I think organizations and the seniors in organizations probably want to break down the silos. But if you really look into the roles and responsibilities, uh, it feels like an, you know, like an assembly line, right? There's specialists doing the same thing over and over again because they're really great at it versus really walking alongside an employee throughout the employee life cycle, right? So uh, you have a lot of specialists who see one aspect of the uh, the process still sort of in a silo because also the KPIs are still not necessarily aligned, right? So the person that has to fill a role, their KPIs are about getting that role filled. Yeah. Uh, and sure, you may talk about quality of hire and all that, but there is always the, you know, in one month, two months, someone says, yes, I'm satisfied with this new hire. And, you know, you say great quality of hire versus somebody who is an L&D specialist, right? Or someone in town management, right? <laughs> How are their KPIs, their KPIs being measured? Mm. So, and I feel like a lot of the time, the engagement, attrition or whatever falls into the manager bucket, right? When they're managing the employee, not necessarily, you know, not necessarily at those specialists. So you still have this assembly line where they're handing off, you know, the employee from one bucket to the next, and uh, they're all trying to solve for their area. And unless that looks different, like that's not a human-centric design. Like if you're yeah. going to do technology and process in a human-centric design, you also have to structure the team in a human-centric design. And when that happens, you, you can really break down the silos and truly blend mm. and no longer pie in the sky philosophy here because honestly with chat gpd i see chat gpd could be you know the specialist over the shoulder right you can get chat gpd to do a lot of the tasks around let's say targeted sourcing personalized messaging campaigns mm -hmm. there's so many places in which you can leverage chat gpt that you don't have to be an expert sourcer necessarily to be able to do sourcing and hiring Neither do you have to be, uh, you know, an L&D specialist to be able to truly, you know, analyze the data and be able to say, well, what should employees be focused on? What skills are trending? What do they need to do, et cetera? So perhaps there is a utopian world where you have more of that, like HR generalists that are working on making employees successful and they have a group of employees that they are working with, like the HR business partner kind of model. And they really do manage end to end. There's still maybe some specialists sitting behind the seals in certain areas, uh, maybe in analytics or workforce planning, or maybe there are certain parts. But largely, that you can really truly break the silos, have consistent KPIs for what the business cares about, and organize that way. Oh yeah, that's that's really uh, really interesting. This idea that it hadn't occurred to me. Um, so thank you. You know, this sort of this legacy uh, team or this legacy HR organizational framework that's sort of lagging, I think is what I'm hearing you say. You have, you know, benefits administration specialists, you have um, payroll specialists or administrators, you have, um, you know, 
depending on the size of the organization, someone who's, who's, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's charter is talent management, uh, you know, VP of talent management. Um, and why don't we have, we should be moving toward, I'm, I'm sort of reiterating what you said, or sort of paraphrasing, let's move toward a model where, where we have just people specialists, right? And yeah, you know, I'm thinking through what would that look like? Well, maybe, maybe depending, maybe there's a, maybe there's a golden ratio for HR people to uh, employee full headcount, you know, each HR person uh, as a people specialist is assigned a certain percentage of the uh, employee population or a certain demographic of the employee population. And they, it's soup to nuts. It's every, uh, you know, talent acquisition all the way through to um, to payroll and um, and um, and uh, separation even right and that's that to me is super interesting you know that there are some really um, uh, interesting sort of progressive minded um, employers out there you know one of them is in, actually in the, a vendor in the space unit four um, and I was we actually just recorded a um, an episode of the podcast with their CEO, Mike Atling, is going to be going live uh, later this week. And we talked about um, he when he went in there and he was he's been at and uh, he was at Northgate Orenzo way back. And he's been at SAP Success Factors uh, leading that before he I think it was just before he joined Unit 4. But anyways, point being is he's a very sort of, um, uh, you know, future thinking sort of fellow and and he renamed the HR department the people success department love it love it right like you know the customer uh, you sold you like you had account managers you had hunters farmers right and then yeah. there was the client success that emerged and you know it's it's a similar analogy why not why not have a people success i love it, it too and, go ahead and here's the thing right it's not so new like there are like small medium sized companies have that as their uh, HR team. You don't have all the specialists who are, you know, working on all the different departments, right? It's only when organizations become larger that they have that kind of a, uh, uh, you know, setup. And honestly, through AI and chat GPT, you can have a similar model as a small and medium-sized HR department might have and be able to do it that way. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's it also shifts the mindset. You know, there's there's sort of a, a demarcation, uh, I think, really in in the HR um, in the practice of HR, where there's you know you have your operational HR and then you have your uh, strategic HR. We here at 360 Insights um, we call it concrete and abstract HCM or HR, whichever. You, I know those aren't interchangeable, those two terms, but a lot of it's lots of overlap. But, you know, it's the stuff that's easy, quant easily quantifiable uh, into in terms of labor expended. Uh, it fits into a, into a, into a, an accounting spreadsheet uh, very easily. Uh, but then you have that strategic or abstract stuff, which has to do with, you know, the employee experience, employee engagement, employee sentiment, employer brand, uh, and culture. And that's all stuff that doesn't necessarily um, translate to an actual number because you can't actually, it's, it's, it's a different number for everybody. But if but but the assumption that's really important, the really important postulate to, to accept is that it's always going to, the better those things are, it's whatever the number will be, it will be greater than zero. <laughs> and so it's going to be good for the business. 
this is a conversation we have with a lot of folks, and I'm sort of on a on an unofficial mission as an industry analyst to kind of advocate for this for this idea. And I'm not the only one. There's a, there are others that are doing the same, uh, advocating for the same thing. Um, yeah, so it's it's really really interesting. Um, oh, I lost it. There was something on that you said a few minutes ago. Um, uh, uh, that was related to this, or there was another point that you made, and maybe we'll we'll get back to it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, this is this is really really interesting. Um, uh, just you know, in terms of let's let's play devil's advocate for a minute here. Um, <laughs> is there anything about these two domain these two domains of HCM talent management and talent acquisition that that should continue to remain separate or separate or that aren't, but you wish would. I, I really don't, <laughs> I, I feel like there are, as I said, that there are the siloed operations, but I do wish that they do combine. So I think it's more of a, uh, I don't believe that they should be separate. The only thing that I feel really, you know, deserves specialists is, you know, those folks that actually look at it end to end, like strategic HR or talent analytics folks or workforce planning that sure you can have them do their work by, you know, they, they're really focused on gathering data that they are not necessarily the ones managing that the people experience. So they can stay in in their you know world where they become more of the you know shared service really for the HR people success mm. people let's say right and and so that could remain separate uh, but I think every other uh, role and uh, process within talent acquisition and talent management I think benefits from really uh, coming together and uh, supporting that entire journey and it's a long time coming. If anything, I feel like um, I, I think technology is probably a little bit ahead of adoption. Mm -hmm. And and I, I and the other thing is, you know, the last two, three years has been so much talk about employee experience that it almost takes an altruistic, uh, uh, you know, mode. Uh, but yeah. it, is it is actually good business sense. <laughs> it's not just about doing, uh, you know, like I, I mentioned the... Um, engaging with employees even after they've exited mm -hmm. that is a good business move it is you've invested in this person you've you know gotten them aligned to your culture uh, they have spent time in your organization and uh, contributed why wouldn't you invest in them a little bit longer and see if they might be willing after gathering other experiences and skills come back and add more value to your organization so i think each of these things actually have a good business case around it uh, so, I, you know, honestly, I don't think anything should, uh, you know, be kept separate uh, between talent acquisition and talent management. And uh, they should really, you know, look at either blending and at a minimum uh, leveraging the same uh, technology tools and uh, everything, because when they don't. So I've seen examples of fairly, again, I would say progressive organizations that have made those investments in, you know, the employee experience. I'm not even kidding that there are probably eight different tools that they're expecting their employees and managers to log into. Well, even if not log into, like go into different places, right? So go somewhere to uh, look at open projects in the talent marketplace, go somewhere else to go learn uh, based on skills, go somewhere else to see what open jobs exist in the organization, go somewhere else to see what their career path should look like. So it's still pretty 
disparate even after organizations have made that investment. And that's because the L&D leader probably made an investment in a uh, learning experience management system, right, uh, an LXP. And the head of TA went and made an investment in an internal mobility and a uh, recruiting uh, right. software. And, you know, like a talent management person went and made an investment in talent uh, marketplace. Right. But if this, but if they don't invest in this in a consistent manner and by ensuring that you you ultimately think about, hey, you just brought in three different tools for your employees to get after, mm-hmm. that's not going to work. So again, I, I think I don't ha- I don't have anything that I would say should remain separate. Yeah, you know, uh, our our friends over at Leap Gen they talk about um, the the whole employee. I think or the the whole employee. I think that's the term they use, and that's it's you know why not think about the whole. Um, well, there's a term again, employee experience, but the, the whole employment, you know, maybe something like that, you know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, you know, again, going back to that, that that's a good business practice to engage with that person that has left, no matter how they've left. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's just kind of um, disavowing the assumption that, that this was an, un, there was an unrealized benefit from this investment. Yeah, maybe just the benefit will come later. You never know. So that's really, really important. Um, I love what you have to say about, and I'm looking at the time and we don't have much more, but but uh, one thing that you mentioned was, you know, how chat GPT uh, can, can help with these, uh, help kind of um, in the nooks and crannies here and help to to sort of blend everything and maybe help uh, uh, people success departments, <laughs> um, uh, you know, move away from the specialist, the uh, narrowly defined special special specialists to you know the people specialists, um, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, application that uh, that that will be many applications that will will emerge for for generative AI. Um, I read a. Um, uh, this is a little bit of a of a um, uh, of a fastball, or it's coming from from left field or whatever. And uh, you know, but the, I read it, and I don't know the answer. But I read a headline um, the other day, and I didn't read the article because I was busy. But it was really interesting. It said it was a VC uh, venture capitalist in the space saying that you know generative AI is great, but the real the real uh, rubber meets the road with autonomous AI. Um, and I think I'm thinking about automation and all this kind of stuff. Do you have any any thoughts around the different kinds of AI that are that are kind of emerging and how they? I don't know about autonomous AI. I will make a note and go find out about it. Uh, I was almost worried that you would say that the article name you read was, um, you know, one of my articles that you did not know. <laughs> <laughs> but no no I, I i will go and look into it um yeah. yeah it's interesting stuff it's interesting stuff i i don't know much about it either but you know i think i think the takeaway is that there, there's so much there's so much um potential upside with with innovation in the space and and how it can really really get us to think about these entrenched um um domains 
in a much more holistic way. And, and, and I absolutely love what you've had to say about that today. I mean, it's, this is a message that really, really uh, needs to, to gain, continue to gain traction. And, you know, so thank you. Thank you so much for, for, Wonderful. for today. Yeah. You, you, you know, it was really lovely, the conversation. And uh, I think the way you asked uh, me these insightful questions actually got me to reflect more. So um, this was really, really fun. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll take that as high praise. Uh, really appreciate it. It is. Um, well, yeah, I really, really um, admire your work. So thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thank you.